This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Steve Vickers in Christian Life Church in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit ChristianLifeChurch.com. Today I am talking about the power of purpose. And for my movie, I picked The Incredibles. I'm a big Pixar fan. Uh, I love Pixar movies. The reason that I love Pixar movies is because they do such an amazing job with their stories and making their characters connect. Their characters, even though they might be in fictional type situations, like The Incredibles, you know, Bob Parr, Mr. Incredible, he is a superhero. But aside from that, he's facing real problems. He's facing real issues, things that we all can relate to, connect with. And I really wanted you to see in this scene with, uh, with Mr. Incredible that I wanted you to see what he was like before when he was younger and he not only knew his purpose, but he was living out his purpose. He was a superhero. His purpose was to save people's lives, and he loved it. Every day, that's what he got to do, rescue people. He loved it, and he was great at it. So you wind up seeing him get married to Elastigirl, another superhero, and everything seems like the fairy tale dream life. Everything's going to be great. It's going to be perfect. What could go wrong? And then all of a sudden, uh, you find out that Mr. Incredible is being sued by someone who was attempting to commit suicide by jumping off of a building, and they did not want to be saved, and he saved them, and in the process, you know, like broke their neck and uh, broke their arms, and so they're suing him for it. And then that opens the floodgates for more super, uh, superheroes to be sued. And eventually the government winds up losing so much money with all these lawsuits uh, that what they do is they put all the superheroes in hiding. And in exchange for the amnesty and being put in hiding, the one condition is that they have to never, ever do any type of superhero work ever again. They have to live as normal citizens. So you see Bob Parr, Mr. Incredible, and it's 15 years later, and now he has a normal job. He has a wife, a family, kids. He lives in a nice house. He's got a car, and he's got all the things that are the quote-unquote American dream. I mean, other than the fact that he's got a jerk for a boss, But everything else in his life is great, except for one thing. He doesn't have his purpose. Something inside him is calling out, screaming out, that he was meant for so much more. Have you ever felt that way? I know I have many times in my life. Something inside you tells you that there has to be more than just living day to day. Purpose is vital. 
having a purpose for your life is key. A life lived without purpose is an unfulfilled life. Proverbs 29:18 tells us where there is no vision, the people perish. Another translation says where there is no vision, the people wander aimlessly. I love that version of it because it puts it so clearly. Without vision, without purpose, you're wandering through life aimlessly. No direction. You're just going, but going nowhere. Have you ever felt like that? I'd be willing to bet that there are some of you in here who feel that way right now. You feel like you're doing all these different things. You're doing everything you're supposed to be doing, but things just aren't working out for you. You're spinning your wills. You're working hard, but you're not getting anywhere. If you've ever gotten your car stuck in the mud, or if you've lived, you know, if you're from up north, get your car stuck in the snow. And you start spinning your tires, and they're spinning, but your car's not going anywhere. And so you're working, trying to get it out of the mud, but nothing you do seems to work. You're doing everything you're supposed to do in order to get somewhere, but you're getting nowhere. And it's frustrating. That's what it's like when you live a life without purpose. You're spinning your wheels. You're exhausting yourself but you're getting nowhere and you know it. Now listen to this. Purpose gives you the ability to endure the storms of life because now you have a purpose. You have a reason to make it through. You have a goal. You have a vision. Just because you have purpose does not mean that you won't face Opposition, because the devil is real and the devil will oppose the purpose of your life. Psalm 139, 15 and 16 says that all the days of your life and mine are written down in a book in heaven before we were even conceived. God knew your life from the moment you took your first breath until the moment you're going to take your last breath. God knows it in explicit detail. He knows your purpose. God knew you were coming. I don't care what your parents told you. Well, you were in, we weren't really planning on having you. You were in an accident. You did not surprise God. God was not surprised when you were born. No angel came up to God and said, God, we got a problem. There's a baby that was born down there. We didn't know it was coming. God's like, well, I didn't know it was coming either. Tell him to hold on until we come get him. God knew you were coming before he even formed the earth. He saw your life in every single detail. He knew what you would look like. He knew what you would be feeling and thinking in this very moment. Purpose gives you the ability to endure the storms of life. Jesus knew what his purpose was. Jesus knew what his purpose was. 
And yet he faced some serious opposition. Jesus was rejected by his own family. Other than his mother, Mary, he had several brothers and sisters, none of whom believed that he was the Messiah. In fact, they were very frustrated with him because in Jewish culture, Jesus was the oldest. He's the oldest in, uh, in Jewish culture, the oldest son. Once he reached a certain age of manhood, it was his job to take on the family business, which his dad was a carpenter. He was supposed to go and build things. And here he is 30 years old, and he's going around, hanging around, hanging out with a bunch of guys, walking from town to town, living like a hippie. And they're thinking, what are you doing? In fact, in one, uh, one part of the scripture, uh, Jesus was talking to his friends and talking to a crowd of people that were listening to him. And someone came up and said, your brothers and sisters are here. And they were wanting him to come home. They're like, dude, you got to come home and take care of the family. You're slacking. Jesus wasn't even accepted by his own family. In the end, they did come to accept him after he died. And they realized that he was who he says he was. But here's the thing. Jesus is able to endure that, the rejection of the ones who would, should be supporting him the most. He's able to endure that because he knew his purpose. Jesus is able to endure the rejection of the religious leaders of the time who you would think would be so excited and would be going, yeah, this is the guy. Instead, they were saying, this is not the guy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Don't listen to him. But Jesus was able to push through and endure that because he knew his purpose. Up to the point of even being executed, being crucified, Jesus knew his purpose. In Hebrews 12 it says that Jesus endured the cross because of the joy that laid before him. He was able to endure something so horrible. Even though he was the son of God, it hurt just as much as it would hurt either one of us. But he was able to endure it. He was willing to and able to because he knew what was coming next. He knew that the cross was not the end. He knew that there was a resurrection coming. And he knew what it would mean for every single one of us. We live in the greatest country today because a group of people came together for a single purpose. England wanted to raise taxes to the American people. Well, no, we're already paying taxes. That's not right. No, we're going to raise you more. Getting too big for your britches, we're going to raise you, make you pay more taxes. So, all the people in New York, Talk to the people in South Carolina, and you know that's why they had different colonies, 13 colonies, because they didn't like each other. People in New York didn't like people in North Carolina. People in North Carolina didn't like the people in Georgia. <laughs> but they all came together for a single purpose. They were willing to put their differences aside and come together on one single purpose. First off, to survive, and second, to form a country. 1776, they write a thing called Declaration of Independence. And they get a flag. We don't even have an army yet. So they have to get an army. Because we're up against the most powerful army in the world. So they put together this ragtag army. But we survived because we were smart enough not to stand in the middle of a cow pasture wearing a rig red coat 
<laughs> we lay, we wore coonskin stuff and lay behind a tree with a long rifle, and that's why we're here today and they're not. But the reason they were able to do the impossible was because they knew their purpose. They knew their purpose. This church exists today. Today, to the date, August 3rd, is the 34th anniversary of this church. August 3rd, 1980, Christian Life Church had its very first service. And it has had its ups and downs. If you've been here for a long time, you know it. You've seen them. You've been through them. Some of you are new. We've had a lot of ups and downs over the years, as all churches have. Most churches wouldn't survive the things that we've been through over the past 34 years. Most churches would have shut down their doors several times. But the reason that this church has survived is because it has a purpose. It has a purpose. So here's the question. How do I find my purpose? Stephen, you're telling me, okay, purpose is important. I get that. I know that. But how, how do I find my purpose? How do I know it? God knows you better than you know you. God knows you better than you know yourself. Have you ever really wanted something really, really bad? You wanted it so bad, you were so excited about it, and when you got it, it just wasn't exactly what you expected it to be? Yeah? The McRib sandwich? Anybody? <laughs> looks really good, but it does not taste the way it looks. It's very disappointing. The real you is so much deeper than you think. The Bible calls the real you the hidden man of the heart. The real you is hidden in your heart. And it's your job to find it and to pull it out. It's there. It's already inside of you. Your purpose is deep inside you. The real you you got to pull it out. We don't truly know each other. I don't truly know you. You don't truly know me. I know my wife better than anybody knows her, but I don't truly know her. God knows her better than I know her, better than she knows herself. Jeremiah 29, 11 is one of my favorite verses of the Bible. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. I know the plans. I know the thoughts that I think towards you. God has good plans for you. God didn't put you on this earth just to be another person, just to fill up some space. I don't care how you got here. I don't care if you're the result of an accident or anything. You're here for a purpose. God picked you and put you where you are into the family that you were born into, good or bad. He put you there for a purpose. And your purpose is not done. Your purpose is not done and it's never too late 
to find your purpose. It's never too late to fill your purpose. We find our truest self when we live for Christ. How do I find my true self? How do I find my purpose? You start by a relationship with Jesus. We find our truest self when we live for Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 15 and 16, the 26 translations, says Jesus' purpose in dying for all was that men, while still in life, should cease to live for themselves and should live for him, who for their sake died and was raised to life. This means our knowledge of men should no longer be based on their outward lives. What Paul was saying here, he says, I seek to know no man after the flesh. What he means is, I have seen it for myself. It doesn't matter who you were, who you are, what you've done. It all can change like that. With God, it all can change. Paul was a murderer before he was a Christian. He was a murderer. He murdered Christians, actually. He despised Christians, and he would gather them up and murder them until God got a hold of them. And he went on to write two-thirds of the New Testament. In fact, uh, scholars say that other than Jesus, Paul is the most influential person to ever live in the Christian community in history. The most influential He found his purpose. You will never truly know yourself until you find yourself in Christ. You will always be searching. Until you find yourself in Christ, you will always be searching. You ever known someone that just, man, they're just always searching. They're always on to something new. You see them and they're into, you know, like, yoga, which I got no problem with yoga, but they're just, that's their thing. They're so into it, hardcore, all out, extreme yoga, if that exists, extreme yoga. But <laughs> it's like extreme Frisbee. I don't know. It just, to me, it sounds, <laughs> I don't know. It sounds weird. <laughs> Go long. <laughs> but you ever know someone, they're always, they're onto something new all the time. They're onto something and they're going all out yoga. And then the next time you see them, they're into something completely different. They're into, I don't know, uh, they're vegetarian. And they're going all out vegetarian, preaching the gospel of vegetarianism. And then a few months later, you see them and they're saying, no, 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 it's all about high protein. It's all about high protein. <laughs> they're searching. They're trying to find something to meet a need, something to fulfill themselves. And there's nothing wrong with searching for, you know, like a right diet and all that kind of stuff. But I use it as an example to illustrate that your life will be filled with always searching for something. You may not even realize it, but there's going to be something inside of you saying there's more. You may even just give up and accept it. Well, this is my life. But God has a plan for you. And God's plan is better than your plans for yourself. God's plan is better than your plan for yourself. God wants to fulfill you in every part of your life. 
Psalm 37, verses 4 and 5 says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he will bring it to pass. That right there is how you find your purpose. That sums it up right there. Psalm 37, verses 4 and 5. If you're taking notes, write that down. That is a scripture that you need to be standing on. It's not going to come easy. And when you're facing those obstacles, go back to that verse. Say it to yourself. Confess it over yourself. Delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will bring it to pass. God wants you to have the desires of your heart. He wants you to have those desires. He knows what those desires are because he put them in there. If you make God number one in your life, God will put the desire in you, and then he will see you. He will see to it that that desire will come to pass. Because you may say, well, I don't know what it is I want to do. I feel lost. Just graduated and I have no idea what I want to do with my life. My kids just moved out to go to college. I had a purpose. I knew what my purpose was. It was being a mother. It was being a father. It was raising these kids. And I did it. Now what? What do I do? I'm reading a book right now. Uh, I told you I'm a Pixar fan. I'm reading a book called Creativity, Inc. And uh, it's written by the president and CEO of uh, Pixar Animation and and Disney Animation, Ed Catmull. Great book. And really, really interesting. He starts out talking about his goal for his life from being in college for the next 20 years after college. His one goal in life was to make history. History by creating the very first feature-length computer-animated film. And he did it. In 1994, Toy Story came out, the very first movie ever made to be completely made on a computer. He did it. And he said, you know, that next year was the worst year of my life. You'd think that I would be on cloud nine. And he said, but I found myself deeply depressed because I had lost my purpose. I had a purpose, I knew what it was, I accomplished it. It took 20 years, but I made it happen. Now what? What do I do? So we found a new purpose. That's what you have to do. Your purpose throughout life will change. There are stages and seasons to life. Your purpose will not be the same from day one to the last day. Your purpose, you accomplish it, and then God gives you a new purpose. You go back to square one, and you find what your purpose is. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust also him, and he will bring it to pass. What this means is that if I will put my faith in him. If I will seek a relationship with God and build my relationship with God, he'll put the desire in me. He'll put in the desire. And then, as I commit my ways to him, as I trust in him, 
he will also not just give me the desire, he'll not just put the desires in me, but he will bring to pass those desires. You cannot help anyone find fulfillment until you yourself have been fulfilled. You cannot be a blessing to other people until you yourself have been blessed. And that's why God wants to bless you and he wants to give you the desires of your heart so that you can be a blessing and a model to others. Philippians 2.13, Philippians 2.13 says, for it is God himself who makes you willing and gives you the energy to do what he wants. The Weymouth, Weymouth translation says, for it is God himself whose power creates within you the desire and the power to execute his gracious will. The New King James Version says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And I have those three translations because I love, it says it a little different each time. First one, he makes you willing and then he gives you the energy to do it. The other one, he creates the desire within you and then gives you the power to execute it. He works in, bo- in you both to will, giving you the will to do it and the power, the ability to do it. In other words, God puts in me the desire to do the things that I'm supposed to do and the ability to do it. And as I follow it through, I find the most amazing fulfillment. It becomes a step and a stage at a time. And that is what God wants for me. He's leading me to the things I need to pursue when I put him first. When I do that, it puts me into position to be the greatest blessing to other people because it fulfills me. If you will put God first in your life, if you start taking steps towards God, God will take steps toward you. God is not this ominous figure who's up there just looking down and going, what the heck is this person doing? God is a father. That's why we call him father, because he is a father. He is what a father is supposed to be. He loves you unconditionally. Even when he's frustrated with you, he still loves you. As a parent, I can totally relate to this. I love my sons right there. My, those are my two sons, Stephen and Roman. I love them with all my heart. I would die for them in an instant. And I would give anything to see the desires of their hearts fulfilled. I would give up my own desires for their desires to be fulfilled. God has desires that he's placed in you and he wants nothing more than for you to fulfill those desires. Because here's the thing, because God made you and he knows you better than you know yourself, he knows what will fulfill you. It may be the thing that you've always desired. It may be something different. I personally, my desire always growing up was I wanted to be in music. I wanted to be a musician. I wanted to be a rock star, you know, do all that stuff. And that's what I ate, lived, breathed, moved out to LA, Nashville, did all that. 
and had a lot of really close calls. I was on the radio out here. I was on the radio in L.A. Uh, made a lot of really great headway, and it came very easily. I mean, I had to work, but I would put forth a little effort, and I'd get a big return. And it was always right there. Get calls from labels, do all that stuff, which was very frustrating because I'm thinking, ah, it'd be a whole lot easier if it was just people saying, you got no chance. But it was like, obviously I'm good enough because these people are wanting to meet with me all the time. But it would never happen. I remember I was living in Nashville several years ago and I was driving on I-65, coming home from work, and I was on the phone with my dad and I was talking about my frustrations with my career, my music career, and just why, you know, how things were going. And my dad asked me a question that he had never asked before. My parents are always the big, big supporters. But my dad said something that kind of irked me. He said, well, Stephen, let me ask you this. What if you never make it? I was like, whoa. I'd never, he'd never said anything like that to me. I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, if you never make it, if you never ever get to have a career in music, will you be happy with your life? And I said, no, absolutely not. The, even to think about that makes me sad. And he said, well, Stephen, I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but what I'm saying is that your purpose, your happiness has to be more than just what you do. It's got to be more than just a career choice. It's got to be more than a thing, a person, because things and people will let you down. And I didn't want to hear that. I didn't like it, but I said, okay. So I started seeking God and praying about it. And I was saying, all right, God, every day I would you know, read my Bible and I would pray and I'd say, all right, God, I want to do music. But more than anything, I want your purpose. I want your purpose for my life. Even if it's not music. I was totally lying. <laughs> Bold-faced lying to God. But that's okay. God knew I was lying. God didn't care. He didn't. Because God knew what I was doing. I was taking a step. I was making a decision by saying that. I'm saying, God, this is what I'm deciding to do. Every day I would say it and every day I was lying. But over time, I wasn't lying anymore. A little here, a little there, it actually became truth for me. I, was, I loved music, but more than anything, I just wanted God's will for my life. Little did I know what that would mean. You know, God put on my heart to move back here to Montgomery and uh, be in the ministry, <laughs> which I never had a desire to do. But all of a sudden, a desire came in me, and that's how I knew it was God, because I was thinking, this is the last thing I've ever wanted to do, and all of a sudden, I can't stop thinking about it. And I'm happier than I've ever been in my life. Now, I'm not saying that if you do that, God's going to call you to the ministry or call you to go live in a third world country and, you know, you know thump a Bible or something. I'm telling you, I mean, because that's just what God had for me. But what I'm telling you is that if you will do that, if you'll take that step towards God and you will just start 
saying to him, God, more than anything, I just want your will for my life. Put your desire in me. If you will do that and continue to do it, it will become true for you and you will start having desires. It may be the thing that you've always wanted. It may be something you never thought you wanted. But that's the first step. And if you continue to do that and trust in God, he'll give you the desire. But not only that, he will give you the will, the power, and the ability to make it happen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit ChristianLifeChurch.com.